0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step by step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com/ra to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com/ra or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey friends and neighbors, you're listening to the Well Rested podcast, episode number 12. Screen, screen, screen. A blessing and a curse. Could the technological saving grace of connectivity in the 21st century relied on so much more so during the COVID-19 pandemic, also be exacerbating the very anxiety, depression, insomnia, and lost productivity we've been trying to eradicate through its use? Today, I'll be discussing the issues of screen time and its influences on your sleep and the dilemma posed by society relying more and more on screens. It's hard to imagine how we could function as a society in the 21st century without the telecommunications innovations that have revolutionized business and social engagement. The smartphone is practically an indispensable tool, now so much more than even just a few years ago. Innovations in battery development and hard drive capacity and energy-efficient screens have driven entirely new segments in our economy based on these devices and their capabilities. And during a global pandemic with shelter-in-place, quarantine, social distancing, audiovisual telecommunications have been the go-to tool for medicine, education, and business alike. But there's a catch. There's increasing evidence, well before the pandemic, that use of such technology is detrimental to our health, especially because of the effect on our sleep. You've heard me say repeatedly how important light management is. Especially bookending your sleep period, with near bedtime light harming sleep and daytime performance, and just after waking light significantly improving sleep, wakefulness, mood, and performance. The most frequent culprit of light exposure too close to sleep is, of course, screens. Nighttime television viewing, especially inappropriately placed in the bedroom, has long been on the sleep health's naughty list. But with the near ubiquity of handheld devices with screens, This problem is more widespread than ever. One issue is the light wave frequency of LED screens versus cathode ray tubes, with the newer, more efficient descendants of CRT emitting brighter, bluer, and wider light than their ancestors. Another issue is the proximity. While light from a television screen may have to pass 20 feet across the room, scattering in every direction and filtered by a large volume of the gaseous molecular cloud we call air, ultimately diminishing, albeit slightly, its potency. With handheld devices like phones and tablets, the light only travels mere inches to reach your retina. Far less opportunity for scattering, filtering. To get a real sense of this, in a dark room like a closet or a bathroom, pull up a picture on your phone and place your phone across the space, like on a shelf or countertop. And then standing as far away as you can, try viewing it from the other side of the room. How bright does the screen appear from 5 or 10 feet away in that otherwise dark space? How bright does your world feel, enveloped in darkness with a small bit of light? Now hold your phone as you normally would, staying in that same dark space. How much brighter does the picture appear? How much brighter does your world seem now, with the screen taking up so much more of your field of view? Another issue is the ease of portability it would be a real pain to transport your wall-mounted television from one room to another whenever you please, from the den to the kitchen to the garage to the bathroom, which leads to a kind of self-imposed restriction to its use. If you can only watch TV in your living room, then anytime you are not in the living room, you're not watching TV, a built-in limit to how much screen exposure you're capable of getting from a television. But with a screen weighing only grams instead of pounds, with no umbilical cords attached to outlets for power, you can easily bring it wherever you want. The threshold to bring the device into bed or to pull it out shortly before intending to go to sleep, it basically doesn't exist, with most people never leaving the side of their phones. Like young lovers, cannot be separated intimately close by in pockets or purses all day and charging at night right next to their heads, ready to be checked in on at the slightest whim. An obsessive relationship. So along with this ease, with this constant access to the entire universe through our screen technology, we face some challenges. A 2018 study of over 100,000 teenagers found that the more time they spent sitting and watching TV increased the likelihood of insomnia. For those with a combined sitting plus TV time of at least 8 hours per day, they had nearly two and a half times the likelihood of suffering insomnia compared to those with less than 8 hours, even if they are otherwise achieving a recommended amount of physical activity, which is about 5 hours per week for teenagers insomnia, caused by a screen, no matter when the exposure took place, no matter how physically active the teenagers otherwise were. As far back as 2011, studies demonstrated that any screen use in the bedroom was associated with a later time to fall asleep, more sleeping in past intended wake time, and more social jet lag, which is the significant difference in the timing of wake and sleep during the work week compared to the weekend and days off. Essentially, the use of screens in the bedroom was like traveling from New York to LA every Friday night, only to have to jump on the red-eye every Sunday night from LA back to New York, which is the precise behavior that makes Mondays, well, feel like Mondays. Trying to force yourself to wake up on Monday literally hours earlier than you did on Sunday morning, and or trying to force yourself to go to sleep hours earlier Sunday night than you did on Saturday night, usually quite unsuccessfully. One 2017 study looked at pre-sleep behaviors of over 300 young adults and assessed their sleep quality. Not surprisingly, those who took longer to fall asleep had worse sleep quality, with those taking an hour to fall asleep having over nine times more likelihood of being a poor sleeper compared to those who fall asleep relatively soon after getting into bed. That's not rocket science. If it takes you an hour to fall asleep, that's probably not going to be a good night of rest. And the exclusive factor related to the time it took to fall asleep after getting into bed after accounting for age, gender, employment status, education, history of sleep problems, health status, and all other pre-bedtime behaviors, the only factor that determined how long it took somebody to fall asleep after getting into bed was their evening screen time. If you want to increase your chances of having a poor night of sleep by 830%, use the screen before bed. A 2014 study of young adults from ages of 18 to 39 years demonstrated an average use of over 46 minutes of media devices per night shortly before going to sleep. The use of a computer or laptop for gaming, surfing the web, or just reading was associated with insomnia and difficulty waking up in the mornings for scheduled obligations. use of mobile phones for playing games and using the web and social media and texting was also associated with insomnia and difficulty getting up the next morning. An interesting study that came out in 2017 looked at a particular screen time behavior, binge-watching, among young adults. The researchers found that about a third of the study population suffered poor sleep quality secondary to binge-watching TV behavior, with higher binge-watching frequency associated with worse sleep quality, worse insomnia, and worse daytime fatigue. This compared to the exact same screen time, just not organized as a binge view. So beyond the effect of the screen itself, They found that it was the cognitive arousal, the heightened interest, the quality of being sucked in and having to watch just one more to find out what happened. It was the added layer of attraction to the content and the need for resolution causing this elevated cognitive arousal before sleep that fully mediated the differences in sleep quality and daytime impairment among the binge watchers relative to the normal viewing style. A 2013 study looked at the pre-sleep rituals of over 2,000 kids from ages 5 to 18 years. Researchers grouped activities in the 90 minutes before sleep time into three bins. Sedentary screen time, including TV, phone, computer, gaming. Non-screen sedentary time, including homework, reading, talking to friends or family, or listening to music. Or self-care, which included things like bathing, showering, brushing teeth, putting on PJs. Among all age groups, they found that on average, every night, kids were spending about 30 minutes out of that last 90 on their screens. And the more time they spend on screens in those final 90 minutes of wakefulness, the later the sleep onset, leading to reduced sleep time. And the more time spent on any non-screen activity, whether it was sedentary or related to self-care, was associated with an easier time falling asleep, resulting in more sleep opportunity overall. Multiple studies demonstrate that screen time close to bed makes it harder to fall asleep, leading to later bedtimes, and a constrained sleep opportunity, leading to sleep loss. Kids who watch TV in the evenings get about 30 minutes less of sleep on average compared to their peers. If they use a smartphone or computer, they lose a full hour of sleep on average compared to their peers. Again, think of the type of screen and the proximity relative to a TV across the room. So TV before bed is definitely bad for kids' sleep, but it seems that closer screens like phones and computers literally cause twice the sleep loss compared to TV. Not only does the screen time reduce the quantity of sleep, but quality as well. A lower sleep efficiency, which is the time of sleep per time spent in bed, with far less high-quality REM sleep associated with evening and nighttime screen use. Teens with social jet lag, staying up later and sleeping in more on weekends compared to the school week, had an average of almost 80 minutes more of pre-bedtime screen compared to the normal sleepers. Children who are exposed to TV or handheld screen time shortly before bed are more likely to become overweight and obese a factor likely mediated by the reduced sleep time that I'll address in more detail in a different episode. They are more likely to suffer significant daytime fatigue and sleepiness. They are less likely to eat breakfast. They are more likely to be diagnosed with depression, ADHD, and even asthma. They are more likely to have poor verbal cognitive performance and poor memory. Data from the 2016 census was analyzed for over 43,000 children and adolescents regarding their reported electronic device use and sleep duration. Kids and teens who spent more time on screens slept fewer hours and were more likely to get insufficient sleep, according to their age-specific recommendations. This effect was primarily driven by portable electronic devices more than TV and video game consoles. And even after controlling for demographics, anxiety levels, depression symptoms, physical activity, body mass index, the effect of screen time on sleep duration remained strong. For children under the age of 10 years, any screen use at all had a significant impact on reducing sleep duration. But sleep loss in children and teens over the age of 10 was only due to portable media devices like phones, tablets, and gaming systems. A 2020 study looked at children's use of smartphones in particular. They found that smartphone use of an hour or more per day was significantly associated with less overnight sleep and lower quality sleep compared to a smartphone use of less than an hour. And that was after accounting for age, sex, household income, education, Parental employment, the starting age of their phone use, the location of use, whether it was at home or in school, and whether the phone is shared with the parent or sibling. No matter the variable, the use of screens in children, including smartphones, and especially with prolonged use, is associated with sleep loss and lower sleep quality. And it's not just older kids and adults who are affected. A 2017 study of infants and toddlers from 6 months up to 3 years old found that any touchscreen exposure during the day was associated with less sleep overall. Less napping, less overnight sleep, and a longer time to fall asleep, both during naps and overnight. That's after accounting for their age, gender, and TV exposure versus a touchscreen, and the maternal education. And the average screen time was only 24 minutes. This is not like parents just plopping the kids in front of the screen all day as a substitute babysitter. But among the youngest, just eight minutes of screen time a day in infants under the age of one significantly reduced their sleep time, a crucial part of early childhood development. This puts us in quite a pickle. Work, school, healthcare, family gathering, so much of life has been forced to be virtual in the age of a global pandemic, with a reliance on the use of screens. A recent look at the effect of the lockdown in the spring of 2020 showed that screen use and media exposure were strongly associated with aggravated and new sleep problems with daytime impairment. Fully 73% of people in the sample reported sleep problems a 50% increase over the baseline prevalence in the general population prior to the pandemic. How are we supposed to balance being forced to work only via screen, which is not a major shift for many occupations where sitting in front of a computer was already the norm, but now with education for children taking place only via screen, where communication with loved ones occurs only via a screen? There is no good answer, so we adapt as best we can. As discussed in episode 11, your body's internal clock responds to light differently across the day in regards to shifting wake and sleep patterns. The closer to the sleep period, the stronger the effect. So is it good for a first grader to spend seven hours a day in front of a screen for school? That's a definitive no. But when it wraps up by 2.30 or 3 p.m. and and x-nay on the screens for the rest of the day, that negative effect may be mitigated, less severe, say, than an hour of screen time immediately prior to bed. In setting yourself and your kids up for success with literal enlightenment, giving your bodies a boost of super normal bright light shortly after waking, non-screen light, please, there's enough of that already, but that bright light first thing in the morning does help. More potently solidifying circadian rhythms than midday light might disturb them. And consistent early morning bright light exposure has been demonstrated to blunt the negative effects of evening light exposure, but certainly not erase the effects. So, to summarize, screens are everywhere today, from billboards to heads up displays in vehicles to classrooms to nearly everyone's pockets. And the use of screens has been shown consistently and robustly to negatively impact sleep in timing, duration, and quality from infants to adults. Screens emit light you've heard me say this before, need to be a good steward of your light exposure. Didn't say light dictator. Just do your best so that the default, the habit, is to limit light exposure after sunset. Just follow the sun. And when that's done consistently, a late date night here or last-minute email there won't hurt as much. Give yourself a buffer for at least the last hour, and ideally two, Before you intend to sleep, turn off the screens. If you or your children are stuck on screens because of virtual employment or virtual schooling, this is a dilemma without a clear resolution, so we roll with it and do the best we can. If screens are required to complete a work or school task, make an extra effort to limit screen time closer to sleep time, when the impact carries even more punch. And vaccinate yourself with bright light shortly after waking to strengthen and solidify your circadian rhythm, to help lessen the blow from later day screen time. I've created a wonderful freebie for you, so please head over to wellrestedmd.com day to get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including examples of how to incorporate specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's wellrestedmd.com day. And I'll be doing a special free live webinar training in early November. Sleep Success in Four Simple Steps, where I'll teach the simple yet profound methods for defeating insomnia, backed by the best high-quality evidence. Check out wellrestedmd.com simple to register. That's wellrestedmd.com s-i-m-p-l-e to register for my free live training of Sleep Success in Four Simple Steps. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave a review and head on over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.